These have been challenging times, but the body of Christ has proven itself resilient. We've gathered in different ways, in different places, yet stood steadfast as the church. We have found peace in God's promise to never leave us or forsake us. In our separation, we have remained united. In our struggle, we have lived out our faith. In the midst of the unknown, we have leaned on the strength of an all-knowing God. Throughout history, the church has thrived in adversity. In this moment, is no different. The power of God is unstoppable. His love unending. His grace unrelenting. His glory undeniable. Today, no matter where we gather, we remain God's people. Our mission has not changed. Our calling has not been altered. And nothing, absolutely nothing, will ever change that. We are the church, and today we stand resilient. Good morning. My name is Mitch. I'm a campus pastor for our Westside congregation, and I'm excited to have the opportunity to uh, share with you a message this morning as we continue our series on living a resilient life, persevering in adversity, and becoming people who, by the very definition of resilience, are able to withstand or recover from quickly from difficult conditions. Able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions. To become people who understand their purpose, understand their why, and live lives aware of God's big picture. And we're going to take a spring day and get the opportunity to stand up here with the microphone and talk with you this morning about recovering from difficult conditions and learning to be resilient and seeing the big picture. I'm going to invite you into my world of baseball. The world of Little League Baseball, the world of baseball that I inhabit this time of year, this baseball is a sport, it's a passion, it's a love mine. I am in love with baseball. I have always loved baseball. Ever since being a little kid, I am now just a big kid who wants to play. I want to get out there in the dirt and the grass and smell the smells and feel the ball and the bat and get it in your hands. It's not so much that I want to sit down and watch major league players play. That's fun too, but I really want to be a part of it and be out there in it. I get all wound up about baseball. I get amped up around it. I have an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old boys that play baseball. I've coached their rec baseball for years. Um, I want to share my passion with, uh, for baseball with kids, and I want them to fall in love with it too. So I'm currently in the coaching of my third season of machine pitch baseball. And if you're unfamiliar with machine pitch, that's where we interjected a machine in the trying year between T-ball, where everybody can hit off a tee, and kid pitch, where you now have to hit this moving object. And we've kind of maybe removed that painful year where kids can't pitch very well and replaced it with a machine. So there's this machine, it's a wheel, and you throw the ball in a thump. Um, lobs that ball out there to the kids. And now this is this major transition year that weighs on me with this heavy burden of responsibility. And it just weighs me down. Now I know that seems dramatic and many of you have like real responsibilities, like real jobs, like doctors or lawyers. And, and, and you have this, you have, you have real responsibilities for like people's 
actual lives, and I'm stressed out about kids and baseball, but I got this responsibility that weighs me down because I want them to help them succeed, to cross this chasm, this gap between here's a tee with a ball on it, everybody can do this. I mean, you just like accidentally bump the thing with your foot, and if the ball falls forward, it's in fair territory. Run, son, get there. First base, you know, you've done it. Move along, you know, and we, where that's T-ball to now, now this moving object is coming at them. 35 miles an hour, frightening, coming at them, it's hard. And, and now, not only is this, we got to deal with that, with the stress of that situation, but now we got to teach them to make contact, to hit the ball, to succeed at this next level, this next stage, this next phase of this sport. And this responsibility weighs on me so hard because I feel if I don't create the situation, the environment that gives them the opportunity to succeed, that they may write off the sport. They may give up on it. Not my sport, not for me. Moving on, ball's too fast, can't hit that, you know, can't move along out of this. And then I have this fear that they will give up on it altogether and they won't continue next year or ever again. So then I have to teach them also the super necessary part of being resilient and trying again and sticking with it. Because this is not just a life, a lesson for little kids playing machine pitch baseball or baseball at all. This is a lesson for life. If you're going to play, you're going to fail. If you're going to try, you're going to fail. Every time you step up to the plate, there's a chance to hit a home run. And there's a greater chance that you will not. It's, it's part of it. It's part of it, but resilient people make the decision, make the choice to step back into the box, into that batter's box, and believe that they have a chance to make a difference in the game, in the situation. Being resilient is key to persevering through adversity and becoming who God has made us to be. So we have repeated failures and we have these doubts, we're asking ourselves these questions about why or how or what about, where am I headed or what am I becoming or who, who, am, I, who am I becoming or what have I even meant to accomplish? We got these thoughts and we think, well, when the going gets tough, maybe the tough just get going, but what if we don't really believe that statement? What if we don't feel tough at all? What if we don't even want to get out of bed in the morning? What if we know that tomorrow when I get up, I'm going to have to face that person. I'm going to have to face that situation. I'm going to have to face that computer screen with those emails that I don't want to face. I'm going to have to face these situations. And how, how am I going to do that? How am I going to persevere in the midst of those struggles? I find it helpful if we go back and we reset our why before the how. So have you ever seen this? Has anybody seen this diagram? This is the Golden Circle uh, by Simon Sinek. He's a, he's a business guru, a motivational speaker. He's an author. He helps businesses, large and small, um, identify their why. He's got this process. If you identify your why, you know your why, then your how and your what become much easier to, to achieve. And very simply put, your why is your purpose. It's your cause. It's what you believe. 
And he says it's crucial for, for organizations, businesses to, to create a statement to go along with this. So if you just kind of like ask Google real quickly like to define what a why statement is, it's your why statement is a sentence that clearly expresses your unique contribution and impact. The impact reflects the difference you want to make in the world and the contribution is the primary action you take towards making your impact. So we all have lots of roles. We all have lots of why statements to go with the different roles. But if I were to take my baseball coaching role and put a why statement with it, it would be something like this. To foster a love of baseball in the next generation so that they can grow and spread it to future generations. That's why I coach. That's why I do it, is to share that love of baseball with future generations. And that sounds good, but where we often err, where we, where we make these mistakes, is we take these auxiliary roles, this baseball coach role, this, these auxiliary roles, and we make those why statements our identity instead of our primary role. And see, our primary role is a loved child of God. That is your role and your role and your role. Your primary role is to be loved by God. All other roles are auxiliary. And you can't fail at that. You cannot mistake your way out of God's love. You can't screw up your way out of God's love. And when we realize the liberating fact of that we realize that we can persevere through these failures and it's possible for us to become more resilient because we're not failing at our primary role. So if our primary role is this child of God, shouldn't we line up our big picture why statement with, with God's big picture why statement? Are we part of that organization? If our primary role is beloved children of God, I believe our why statement should line up with God's big picture why statement. And I feel like in scripture, I've, I recognize that, um, it, that, that John, best friend of Jesus, self-proclaimed, um, best friend of Jesus, he gets to tie a bow on this why statement. And we all are, well, many of us are familiar with this verse, have at least heard it or seen it or written, or maybe even just seen the 316 um, written somewhere. But if we break this verse down, John 316, and just read it as like God's why statement, I feel it can help us reset ours as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why? What's God's why? What love? That's why. For God so loved the world. His why is love and his how, how he's going to do it. He loves the world so much that he's going to do whatever he can for the world. He's going to give him Jesus. So if God's why is love and his how is Jesus, shouldn't that be ours? I believe that God has a way for each one of us to share the love of Christ with the world. I believe that if we let your why be love, then the, there's no how that's too big for Jesus. Ephesians 2.10 kind of reassures us that we have this purpose for God, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We and us, right there. We and us. That's who God created good works to be done by. You and me. We and us. 
So we can have faith that in our resilience, our hard work will pay off in God's big picture. We're part of God's success story. Even though we strike out a lot, he still wants us on his team. I believe this morning that God wants us to know this. I find it in scriptures in Philippians 1, 6, and I am certain that God who began good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Until Work until it is finished. So if you take nothing else away from this this morning, hear this. Regardless of your situation or circumstances, God loves you and is pulling for you and is working in and around you. God is writing a story and you are a character in this story. He loves you so much, he made you a character in his story. That's pretty amazing. Some of us need to be reminded of that. Some of us need to remind ourselves of that this morning. God loves me so much, he put me in his story. I am a piece of that puzzle. I'm part of that story. God is doing good works in me and he will continue doing it until he is finished. Not when I give up, but when he is finished. That sounds like a pretty resilient God to me. That sounds like a God that I want to be made in the image of. That sounds like a God that won't give up on me even when I give up on myself. That's my God, the God of future at bats. My God wants me to succeed in spreading love and persevere in adversity to do so, and he wants that for you too. I believe that. When you trust in God and you line up your why with his, you're going to be known for your love. You're not going to be known for your past or future failures, but for your contributions and your accomplishments. So to get back to baseball, I want to know if anyone here knows who this is. Got a picture here. If you know his name, shout it out. Reggie Jackson. That's right. Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson struck out more times than any major league player in the history of baseball ever in their professional career. More strikeouts than anyone else. Do you know what Reggie Jackson's nickname is? You want to take a stab at it? It's not Mr. Strikeout. Shout it out. Mr. October. Well, October. It's a funny name. Mr. October. October is when playoff baseball happens. October is when the World Series is. October is when game six of the 1977 World Series was. Reggie Jackson had a little bit of rough spot going into that series, but gets into the series, game six. We got Reggie, comes up to the plate, first at bat that game, one pitch, one pitcher, pew, right field home run. Way to go, Reggie. Comes up again a couple innings later, new pitcher. One pitch, home run, did it again. Third at bat of that game, Reggie Jackson comes up to the plate, whole stands on their feet, Reggie, 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 right? New pitcher though. He doesn't have confidence that he's going to hit it off this guy like he did the last guy or the guy before, but here's Reggie. Another pitch, gone, deep shot, dead center field, out of here. That is why they call him Mr. October. That is what he's known for. He's known for his 
performances in playoff baseball. He's known for coming through when the going gets tough. He's known he has this passion for the game. And when he goes to bat, he has this confidence that in a moment he can make a difference in that inning, in that game, or in that entire season. He could change the course of it. And that is what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to have confidence that through perseverance in adversity, we can create change for the better in our families, our communities, our world. I want you to know that Jesus has the power to forever be working in you. And God has created good works for you to share his love through. So each day when we go out there and we step into that batter's box of life, we have to have the confidence that as a child of God, we can't fail at being loved by God. So we need to carry that with us into our lives, into each and every other role and title and position and situation that we're faced with. And each one of those situations has their own adversities on the job, in the school, in the home, our marriage, our families. All have challenges and we have to persevere knowing that God's love is working in and around and through us. Amen? I believe this. I believe this. I mess up and screw up all the time. I would be a wreck if I didn't believe this right here, that God's love is working in and around and through us, and our primary role is to be that loved child of God. I screw stuff up in those different roles all the time, right? People who know me as a campus pastor know that I have shortcomings. If you took a notebook around and you followed my wife around and asked her all the stuff I screw up, she could write some stuff down for you. You know, I got kids, right? They'll, t- they'll, point out, they'll point out my mistakes to my face, though. They're like, Dad, uh, you know, like, but to write that down, you know? My boss is right here. You could ask him about those mistakes as coach, as a friend. Like, I make mistakes and I screw up, but my true identity is not found in any of those. So I can persevere through all and live into my real identity and role as a resilient child of God. And that is what God wants for you to live into your role as being loved by him, to embrace that role and shed off that responsibility, that overwhelming pressure that those other roles bring with it. When you realize that that is your responsibility is to be loved by God and to share that with others, you can persevere and become resilient people in the rest of life. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the blessed opportunity to gather together and focus on resilience, focus on understanding our place and our role of being loved children of yours, for being those who who are here to share your love and taking our identity as children of God, not not just those auxiliary roles. Let us Let us take that love into those auxiliary roles, match up our why statement with yours, share love into the world, and find peace in our building of resilience. Find understanding in our continued trials as we keep trying. Help us to know that even though we will strike out, we get another at bat, and you love us so much that you want us on your team. You want us continually working for you. We cannot screw up our way out of your love, and with that we know we can persevere through all adversity. Amen.